All right, Kiss Army. You wanted the best. You got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcasting. And with that familiar music, you know you are listening to your podcast. Thank you for joining us and spending some valuable time with us. I'm Ken Mills, one of your hosts here, and today I'm joined by one of the down boys, our vinyl kiss music expert, Mr. Jason Herndon. Hello, Jason. Please explain the whole down boys thing to us. (laughs) Down boys is something I chose as my email address with Hotmail back in about 1996, and uh, when I started signing up for different message boards and stuff that's i just chose that and it's always been what i've been known by and it was just odd that i never chose anything kiss i i don't know why that really was i just went with my second favorite band at the time and so that's why i'm known as down boys everywhere now so i actually met warrant back in the day uh when they opened up for paul stanley yeah good times i've i've met warrant on a number a number of occasions i've probably seen warrant more than i've seen any other band other than kiss probably a good 12 to 15 times so well let's hope that there's no warrants out for either one of us that's the important thing <laughs> hopefully uh, not yeah <laughs> today we're going to talk about some vinyl reissues and i'm going to defer to you i'm a cd guy at this point i still have some vinyl back when cds came out i purged tons of my vinyl and right now people are like going why would you do such a thing well it was a lot easier to move you know, from, like, one girlfriend's house to another girlfriend's house when you, like, didn't have to carry, like, crates of albums. You know what I mean? So it became <laughs> kind sure, of a practicality sure. thing. And uh, I got into the whole CD thing. And, of course, now everything I have is MP3, even though I still have my CDs and stuff like that. Uh, it just is so cool. But today we're going to be talking about the reissues and a new compilation album. I guess we should first talk a little bit about your KISS fandom, your little history, if you will. How did you become a KISS fan, Jason? Well, I've, I've got a story that I that I usually always tell uh, as my introduction to KISS, and I actually have not much recollection of the story. I have a little bit, mm-hmm. but uh, the story mainly comes from what my parents told me um, as I was getting older, but uh, specifically... Um, we, we lived in this little house. I grew up in this little house. I'm actually sitting in that house right now, uh, inherited it, inherited it when my parents passed away. But, uh, um, we lived in this little house in this little town in Tennessee and, um, somewhere around the age of three, we were, uh, my mom, we had a little 19 inch black and white Zenith television Mm. that you had, that you had to get up and turn the channels to. And uh, (laughs) my mom was getting up. And turning the channels, we probably only had about four or five channels at the time. And, and she was probably your dad's remote control. That's correct. Okay. And uh, <laughs> and so she was getting up to turn the channel, and uh, she stopped on a, on a station, and there was something on. And um, all I can remember is seeing these guys in makeup that I thought were clowns. And she turned it past that channel, and I said, and this is the only recollection I have, oh, Mom, turn it back to those funny-looking clowns. Well, it turns out it was either a the actual broadcast or a rebroadcast of Phantom of the Park. Ah. And uh, so I was I was enamored with those funny-looking clowns. And uh, so for Christmas that year, um, and my birthday is right around the same time, two days after Christmas. 
they got me Destroyer on vinyl, not for the music, just for the picture. So I'd have a picture of the band. Right. But I had I had this little Mickey Mouse record player, and of course, I played records that I had at the time, and that was the first record of my own that I, you know I wasn't playing my dad's Beatles records. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know I stuck on Destroyer and. Detroit Rock City would have been the first song that I played on my little Mickey Mouse record player. I actually have a picture of myself and that uh, Mickey Mouse record player uh, with with Destroyer sitting on it somewhere. I'd have to find it. but um, So that was my introduction to Kiss, and it just it grew from there. They would buy me little things here and there uh, as, you know, four years old now, and they would they would get me another record or they'd buy me a magazine that they saw or a few eight tracks. And that was my introduction to the, to the band. You know, a lot of people want to discount the movie and even the band does. And I recently finished reading Peter Chris's book and you know, he, he hated that movie and there's so many people that discount it, but I feel that that, as much as it was a bad decision at the time, I feel that that movie gave Kiss, it really helped that second wave of fans that were like you, a little kid, and then by the time that the 80s came around, they could drive and go see a concert they wanted to go see Kiss even if it was the unmasked Kiss or whatever, the non-made-up Kiss they wanted to go see that so in a sense that really laid a lot of groundwork for them, don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I would. You know, I don't think there were a lot of people talk about missteps that the band made, and in their their eyes and in the band's eyes, they might have made some missteps. But to me, uh, every step that they took was was mm-hmm. just a, a building block, and um, and I stepped right along those steps with them, whether you know other fans agreed with it or not. And, and so all of those steps were important to the growth of my love of the band. And uh, that that movie was certainly um, a, a milestone, the first stepping stone for me. At what age would you say you became quote unquote an adult Kiss fan? And I don't know if there are is such a thing because we grow older. I don't know if we ever actually grow up. So, uh, when when do you think you became an adult Kiss fan, and when did it become about the music to you? Introdu- even though the introduction of the band was was a visual thing to me. I think early on uh, it became about the music for me because I remember just wanting more and more and more of their music. Um, I I wasn't necessarily going out and begging for magazines. I was Mm -hmm. begging for new albums. I wanted to hear more and more stuff. You know, the second record I got was Alive. The third record I got was Double Platinum, you know. And uh, and then I I believe I ended up getting unmasked shortly after that, um, but you know I went to see Kiss before certainly before I could drive I was I was just uh, I think I just turned eight um, the first time my dad took me to see Kiss. And what tour was that? Uh, Creatures of the Night, uh, January thirtieth, nineteen eighty three. Wow. The actual the actual real tenth anniversary of the band if you go back you know January thirtieth, nineteen seventy three being the first show. Right. So, um, yeah. So I saw him on the Creatures tour, but I don't. I don't know how to answer that. When did I become an adult Kiss fan? It was all about the music. It's always been about the music for me. Even though my introduction um, to the band would, you know, say something different. 
it's really been about the music. Well, many people still look at them as those clowns. So, you know. Sure. <laughs> which is sure. one of the reasons we're all in this uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nonsense. Uh, they were never taken seriously. and uh, But there's a difference between you as a child saying, I like those clowns, and then the way that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame would talk about those clowns. Uh, it's a whole different ballgame. Huge difference. <laughs> Well, Jason, let's uh, take a look at some uh, releases coming from the KISS camp. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is KISS 40. Okay. Uh, and from what I understand, it's going to be kind of what like the Rolling Stones did, where they did like 40 tracks. But uh, from what I'm looking at here on CD1, there's 21 tracks and... 18 on CD2, so there you go. That works out. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> let, let, let's 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 take a look at what's on this. And would you recommend for a Kiss fan who has bought everything else? Is there a reason for a Kiss fan to buy Kiss 40 when it comes out? Um, what kind of Kiss fan are we talking about here? My kind of Kiss fan. There's no no question that you would buy it. Um, it to me it looks like a great compilation and. Um, there's some stuff that's not been available commercially that you know I don't I don't see why you wouldn't want to have on on CD and um, yeah you know it looks like a decent release to me but the only glaring thing I see is I, I don't know really how you can release a 40th anniversary compilation and not have Detroit Rock City on it but um, ooh good call well let's let's take a look at what's on there CD one's got nothing to lose. Let Me Go Rock and Roll, Come On and Love Me, Rock and Roll Night Live version, God of Thunder Demo. So that's going to be kind of weird, but if you got the box set, you've got that. Right. Beth, Hard Luck Woman, Reputation Demo, which is a Gene song, and we're going to play a little bit of that here right now.
Well, it'll be interesting to see um, what version they use of it, because, you know, obviously there's some circulating versions of this song, you know, in the bootleg world, but, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what version he puts on there, because the versions of those Gene demos that ended up on the box set were certainly marketedly different than what was circulating at the time, so. So you feel it'll be similar in that respect? I hope. I hope it's different than okay. than the circulating version. We also have Christine 16, shouted out loud live, Strutter 78. So they're re-releasing a re-release there. Yeah. Kind of a deja vu again thing. Releasing something off double platinum is kind of bizarre. You Matter to Me off the Peter Chris solo album Radioactive from Gene Simmons' New York Groove from Ace Fraley's album. And I Was Made for Loving You, the single edit. Why no Paul track there? Your guess is as good as mine. That's kind of bizarre. Shandy, A World Without Heroes, I Love It Loud, Down on Your Knees, a, a very strange song, especially since you mentioned that Detroit Rock City's not on here. Right. Lick It Up, Heaven's on Fire, then we go to CD2, Tears Are Falling, Reason to Live, Let's Put the X into Sex, Forever Remix. So some folks may not have that. Uh, God Gave Rock and Roll to You 2 doesn't say which version i'm assuming the one off of revenge unholy live do you love me from mtv unplugged room service live that's again probably a re-release of a re-release right because that's probably off you wanted the best don't you think I, I would think that would be the case yeah jungle the radio edit psycho circus nothing can keep me from you detroit rock city live well, I guess that's there, okay. I guess that's there, yeah. Yeah, but you would figure that the actual track would be there. Same with God of Thunder. As much as I like the rarity, you would figure that if a guy wants God of Thunder, he wants God of Thunder. Right. But uh, Deuce Live 2004, unreleased commercially. It's interesting how that says unreleased commercially. So has it ever been released then? Um, uh I wonder if they're pulling these tracks from any of those instant lives. Ah, uh, good, good point. Firehouse Live, 1999-2000 time period. Modern Day Delilah, Cold Gin, Live 2009 unreleased commercially. Crazy Crazy Nights, Live 2010 unreleased commercially. So I believe you're on the money there with that assessment there. And Hell or Hallelujah. So it's kind of an interesting mix. I wonder how much it'll go for. What do you think the price point will be for this? All CDs these days? Yeah. You know. Eight ninety nine, nine ninety nine. I'd say this is probably gonna be in your, you know, fourteen ninety nine to sixteen ninety nine range on you know, on CDs. That's yeah, but I, I'm pretty sure you'll probably see this at Best Buy for nine ninety nine the first week it's out. I'd be Correct. shocked. Yeah. I would be shocked. Yeah, the yeah. The loss leader of the week, yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. So, again, would you recommend it now that we've reviewed it? I, I, I have to get this for the reputation demo alone. Right, right. You know, I think there's an, you know, an, it's a good comp for, you know, um, you know, a Fairweather Kiss fan. There's a lot of great stuff on it that, you know. Have uh, you seen any but, cover art for it? Uh, as far as I know, just looking uh, at the sources that I have, it looks like it's just going to be that... Um, uh, that 40th anniversary guitar insignia thing that they have. That is such an ugly logo between you. Yeah. Not that anyone else is listening to this, but, you know, it's such an ugly, ugly logo. <laughs> well, that's just, that's what I've seen. Yeah. So 
I almost would rather have just the number 40 with like various pictures of the band in there somehow. Yeah, it'd probably be pretty cool too. You know, on a black surface, but hey, what do I know? <laughs> uh, but it, it's it's good to see that Modern Day Delilah and Hell or Hallelujah are in there. Yeah, it's interesting that they, uh, you know, they they Universal paid to license Modern Day Delilah from Walmart, but they won't pay to license the uh, for the license to use to to reissue the entire vinyl. I, I don't understand that. That was purchased by Walmart. You know, Walmart footed. You know, the bill they purchased that from the band, so they own the masters. So anything that gets used from Sonic Boom has to be licensed from Walmart. So. Is there any uh, length of time that that's good for that you know of, or nope. is this? I, I have no idea. I would assume that it would have already lapsed by now, but apparently it hasn't, um, just from the proof of the vinyl. But um, I would think that there would be a time period of you know some sort of lapse, but it's it's not showing to be the case. History Science Theater, the most civilized. Yeah. Oh, f- <laughs> oh, f- <laughs> come on. Respectful. Just imagine Gene it's with like, like a with like a washtub bath. Boom, 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 boom. And serious. No way. Excuse me, Bob. You're gonna come over and do my album. <laughs> Kiss podcast on the web. History Science Theater. We bust balls because we care. Hi, this is Loretta Caravello, and I'm Eric Carr's sister, and you're listening to Pod Kiss. Hope you're enjoying it. Well, maybe we should go through the whole story of that, just in case anybody doesn't understand what we're referencing. Like, for example, you cannot go to iTunes or Amazon and buy an MP3 Sonic Boom. You just can't. And you can go to Walmart.com and buy that MP3 if you want. Uh, you can also find Sonic Boom only at Walmart. And when Sonic Boom came out, uh, we're just assuming that someone's hearing this for the first time and they've been a KISS fan let's say, two years. They might not know this story, but uh, Sonic Boom was bought by Walmart. Could you give us the details? Uh, just the details that I know and the other bands at the time that did you know similar deals, the Eagles and I think Journey and ACDC and Foreigner might have did one um, at the time. Um, you know, what, bands were looking uh, that didn't bands at the time that didn't have uh, solidified record deals anymore. And Kiss had been dropped from Universal. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't have solidified deals, or they had the rights to shop whatever they were recording on their own to whatever label they wanted to. At the time, Walmart was the lar- and probably still is was the largest music retailer in the, in the United States. Yeah, and um, it, it seemed like a good idea. You know, with the I believe the Eagles did it first, mm-hmm. where they footed the bill for their own record. Walmart bought the rights to distribute it, and they distributed it, and the thing sold. I don't know. I think it was three, four, five million copies, and uh, in a time that CDs weren't selling three, four, five million copies anymore, and then ACDC did it, had the same success, and uh, then Journey and Garth Warner came in. Yeah, right. Well, Garth has always done it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, done it a lot. But uh, you know, at that time, uh, that seemed like the way to go. You get, you know, your record into more. You, you don't have managers choosing whether they bring your record into their shop or not. And that just seemed like a a good plan for a legacy act like Kiss to, you know, a, a good footprint to follow. And uh, so they paid for the record on their own, and Walmart bought it from them for a particular price and 
and distributed it in their own stores, and they own that record. So, so then that brings us to the other thing that we're discussing, and that's the vinyl re-releases. And you're a vinyl guy, is that safe to say? Yeah, I. I you even do this for a living. Right, I do this. I, I do vinyl for a living. I work for URP Music Distributors based out of Nashville, Tennessee. We're a division of United Record Pressing, which is the oldest and largest pressing plant in the country. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we press the majority of vinyl that's available in the United States. Wow. So that, that's, that's what I do. So. Well, uh, and you, of course, love the format. Absolutely. You know, if you if you go if you refer back to you know how I got into Kiss, vinyl was how I got into Kiss, and to me, for the longest time, Kiss collecting was collecting vinyl, and that's mm-hmm. what I did. You know, even before I got any merch or anything when I was young, I wanted to collect vinyl, and uh, even when I, you know, I, I had a few phases where I had a giant Kiss collection and I sold it off to Peter Arquette back in 1999, who runs kiss museum Mm -hmm. um i i kept most of my vinyl uh that was one of the things i didn't get rid of and so i've always collected kiss vinyl now i have other vinyl from from plenty of other bands but you know i've got you know four or five hundred pieces of vinyl in in my kiss room right now and uh you know i absolutely love the format yes Okay, good. Now, Kiss is doing some vinyl re-releasing, and uh, we want to talk about those re-releases. And uh, there's there's two things that we can discuss. There's the ultimate vinyl road road case, and I believe that's called Kisteria, correct? Correct. Okay, and we're going to get into that. And, but they're also re-releasing them separately, and I think they're starting out with a wave of ten of them on April first, correct? And there's another 18 uh, titles to be unleashed by mid 2014. I think that that's the schedule they're on. That's the correct. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, out of the 10 remastered Kiss albums that are coming out on vinyl, and the other 18 titles to be unleashed through mid 2014, are all of the albums going to be released or are there some that are only going to be exclusive to the Kisteria, the ultimate vinyl road case? Uh, there will definitely be some exclusive titles that you will not be able to buy outside of the box set. Uh, for all the information that I've seen and I'm sure some Kiss fans have seen, uh, it looks like Double Platinum, Greatest Kiss, Killers, You Wanted the Best, Smashes, and Kiss Symphony will only be available if you purchase the box set, unfortunately. Mm. Now, let's talk about uh, the re-releases. Out of the ones that you've gotten so far, which ones do you have? I have the whole first wave. Okay. And th- and that is? That's Alive, Animalize, Destroyer, Dress to Kill, Dynasty, Harder Than Hell, the first album, Lick It Up, Revenge, and Unmasked. That's a weird little mix of albums, isn't it? Well, I think, you know, I, when I first saw that release schedule back in the very beginning when all of this started you know coming about I, I didn't realize there was going to be other waves you know because I get this I get release information you know at least a month or sometimes two months in advance of any publication whatsoever mm-hmm. uh, because I work in distribution so I get, you know I get all of that information from the label um, 
So back in February is when I early February is when I first heard this, and when I saw those list of albums, I was under the impression at the time that that was all that was coming. So I was very confused by that grouping of records. But once I realized they were doing it in waves, I thought it was pretty smart to just span. It looks, you know, a little from this era, a little from this era, and a little from from that era because, you know, that way there's more chance to sell a record like Animal Eyes uh, that that maybe the diehards wouldn't initially. You know, you put out a wave and you put out the first six studio records or whatever. Everyone the diehards just all go by those. Yeah, yeah, they just and, gravitate towards those. Right, so you mix it together, and you've got more of a chance that they'll go, ah, oh, what the heck, I'll just pick up another copy of Animal Eyes as well. Or at least that's my thinking that the reasoning is. So. Yeah, makes sense. Makes absolute sense. So, um, in your opinion, what are you, what are you, what? give me a quick review. Pick one of the albums, I don't care which. Which ones do you, out of what you've listened to thus far? And I assume you're not one of these guys that are just going to, like, hoard it away and just like keep it in plastic forever and just look at it i buy two copies of every one two okay there you go i buy one to listen to and one to soar away yeah Mm -hmm. so out of the ones you've listened to how do they sound what's the quality like and would you recommend them absolutely um (laughs) i've i'm a part of tons of um you know different Different vinyl discussion groups, Kiss vinyl discussion groups on uh, on Facebook, and of course on you know Kiss FAQ and all that stuff. So I hope that we can get all of this information in one place now um, that everybody can listen to. Um, I I would say, and I understand that there's a, a lot of people who are you know we want the original pressings only, and those are the best. Uh-huh. And uh, I, you know, I'm kind of of that mindset as well because, you know, I just love, you know, the original presses. That being said, when they were pressing records, especially at Casablanca, who was notably cheap back in the day, um, they there was not a lot of quality control. There, right. as, as you know, there's tons of errors, um, uh, Casablanca errors that people collect and... You know, there just wasn't a lot of quality control, and there was no special mastering done back then. You know, the the mastering was what it was. So these records are being mastered over at Acoustic Sounds, which is a company that is known for only releasing super high quality, like jazz and blues records and mm-hmm. classical records. They they are the top of the heap when it comes to mastering quality. And all of these records have been mastered for the vinyl format um, from the masters that they could or the original, you know, mix downs. Um, And you're just, you're not going to be able to beat the mastering quality of of these reissues. And on top of that, they're pressing them at QRP. Now, I don't don't mean to tout the... uh, ability of another pressing plant but uh qrp quality record pressing um presses all only high-end 180 gram and above um audiophile records and so this isn't some like you know a little while back universal had this series called back in black or back on black Mm -hmm. and they took some of these landmark records and they just uh stamped out some some records 
from the masters that they had on hand. They didn't do anything to them. In fact, they were using the digital CD version of the artwork, and they were blowing them up to vinyl oh size God. so you get distorted album covers. And that's how Alive came out several years back. And, um, you know, it's it's mastered for CD, and uh, the audio quality is terrible. And so everyone was afraid that that was what was going to happen with these re releases, and that is not what's happened. The money has been spent to get to a real mastering house, to master them the way they need to be for vinyl, better than it was back in the Casablanca days, and pressed, certainly, by a better pressing plant than ever was done back in the Casablanca days. So in my opinion, uh, which I would consider somewhat professional, uh, these are the definitive releases to have audio-wise for sure. It's optimally mastered for vinyl. Now, from there, you can get into the debate of whether you prefer the mastering sound of vinyl or the mastering sound of an MP3 to a mastering sound of a CD. Right. You can you can make that argument all day long, mm -hmm. and that's probably just going to be an opinion thing. Right. But you but but comparing vinyl to vinyl to vinyl, this they're not going to get any better than what they are right now on these exactly. reissues. So. Are they better than what they were for the originals, would you say? But if a person has their copy of Destroyer back in 1976 when it came out or whatever, and now you really think it's it's worth their time to go out and buy this. Pardon the pun, but it, it destroys it. It destroys yeah. the original Destroyer. Okay. Absolutely. And I understand that from a artwork perspective, because that's one of the things I'm at being an artist I'm really into that they've they've spared no expense it, it, it seems like they have really done a great job on making sure that these are authentic and in some ways even better than the real thing if you will well they've went out and they've they found all of the original you know uh, files or photos that they could mm -hmm. uh, to replicate these vinyl releases like I was saying with the original back on black issue of a live they took the cd file they had on hand mm -hmm. and they they blew it up to album size and when you look at that release and you put it beside any other release of a live you can see massive distortion and right. it's because they they stretched a, a photo you know yeah. that you're not supposed to do and that is not done on any of these releases i've looked at them meticulously beside the original releases and there are some variances some color variances i know that uh, it's been pointed out many times that the reissue of Dress to Kill, which does have the embossed cover, mm -hmm. doesn't quite have the the noticeable graying around the logo, the embossed logos, uh, as the original did. But it's there. It's just a little darker. So right. you know that's all. That's just all you know toning and all of that stuff when they're manipulating the file um, digitally to to go to the master printing of it. Now, but uh, yeah, go ahead. Forgive me if I'm mistaken, but when somebody gets the album and they pull it out, not all of the sleeves are there, correct? Aren't they putting the the better sleeves on the inside of those? Well, um, I, I've had some discussions with Tom Shannon about this, who was um, you know tapped for his expertise on these uh, reissues as well, and uh, he's I've seen him post a few times saying that. It was discussed early on that maybe like on a live they were going to uh, reissue the original sleeves that had the advertisement for other mm -hmm. vinyls at the time. And uh, that has not been done. 
the albums that did not have any special sleeves, at least on this batch. Um, so, uh, like Destroyer, right. Destroyer's sleeve is replicated. Uh, it's not hard cardboard like it was originally. It is a paper version of the sleeve. But on the other albums, they're using uh, high audiophile anti-static sleeves that you would find in any audio, you know, like a mobile fidelity release or something like that. Right. They're using those anti-static sleeves. In them. And so. these are the things, uh, kind of sleeves, that if you're a vinyl collector, you go out of your way to buy anyway. 100%, yes. So. They're already there. Okay. Well, so now that we've talked about the individual re-releases and the wave that's coming later, the 10 and then the other wave that's coming in 2014, let's talk about the box set. There's a lot of pros and cons about it, and uh, it's the kind of thing that when I saw the picture of the box set, I said to my wife, I'm not a big toy collector of KISS, but when I saw this, it was like, this I would love to have. And I'm not getting it because, <laughs> you know, it's it's just, it's it's a ton of money. And do we have an exact count? I know that we've had an, an estimated account of what the cost is of the Kisteria box set. Can you share your thoughts on that? My original guess uh, was was going to be somewhere around twelve to fifteen hundred dollars, and um, but it looks like now that the that they're going to charge about seventeen fifty, which which uh, I think is a fair price. You know, it's. You know, if you broke that down by record, that's about 54 bucks a record. And if you take into account all the extra packaging and all the extra stuff that you get, that's, you know, that's not, uh, that's not too far off. Plus the so. ones you can't buy outside of this set. Correct, correct. Like yeah. the uh, compilations and whatnot. Uh, we were discussing before the interview about how Universal is pricing the individual LPs. How are they pricing these uh, comparably to the ones in this set? And... How are they going about that? Well, on a you know a, a personal level, it, disappointingly, it seems like Universal is trying to take advantage these days of the uh, the collector on these legacy acts, and they seem to be um, you know pricing all of these single LP records at double LP prices. That you know not just you know the Kiss with these forty dollar price points for single albums. Um, but you know, like the, the last Pearl Jam was the the same way. You know, it's 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 got nearly a forty dollar SRP, you know, suggested retail price, and uh, I, I don't see the point in that because there's you know there's tens of thousands of you know of records out there that that have a good single LP price point of you know you know nineteen ninety nine to twenty five bucks or something like that, uh, but. You know, some of some of the Kiss albums I can understand maybe an elevated price with some of the premiums if they wanted to make a little bit more money off of that. And these are audiophile, and audiophile is usually considered a little bit more expensive, but it's still uh, just a little too high in my opinion, coming from both distribution and retail background. Right. So you're also paying for the posters and the goodies and whatnot and stuff like that. Well, I mean, back in the day you didn't, but I, you know. I guess you do now you, that with with the physical medium being, um, you know, what it has been for the past decade or more. Uh, it, I, I guess they're just trying to to cover all their costs as uh -huh. as much as possible and, and make it a viable proposition for them to sell this kind of product. 
so yeah, you know. All right. Well, here's the big question. Well, I was going to ask you, smart guy, are you going to buy one to play and one to keep? <laughs> <laughs> no, this I would buy one, and I would probably, uh, you know, keep those vinyls sealed is probably what I would do. There's no reason to open up any of those comps, I don't think. The only one that would be interesting to open up to me, I already have Symphony on vinyl back when it was reissued, and, mm -hmm. you know, that's not something I listen to a lot anyway, but uh, I would like to open up Killers and listen to those tracks, but yeah. um, but other than that, the rest of that stuff, I wouldn't open. I would open the case to look at all the goodies inside, but uh, right. no, that's that's a one-piece one purchase, so. <laughs> okay. So, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Kiss collector, but I'm not a rich Kiss collector. Yeah, so. I, I don't, there are those of us among us and god bless you um but you know papa's got to pay the bills you know what i'm saying yeah well let's let's take a look at what all comes with this and keep in mind there are only 1,000 units worldwide so this is just an insane thing to buy and it might as well be four thousand dollars for a monstrous book shall we say but uh <laughs> we don't believe that those books sold out they probably were only printed as they were ordered for all intents and purposes don't you figure that's what i would guess yes this, you know that there's going to be a thousand of them. I can think of a few people that are going to buy this right off the get-go. You're going to be one of them, I assume? Sure, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, I really can't see this not selling out. What stinks uh, is that if they would have made 4,000 of these, could their price have come down? Um, that's a good question. Um, I, I think the price can always come down on anything. Mm -hmm. um, but but there comes a point to where, you know, this is an this is an impressive set for any band. Oh, it and, is. And and the costs that are going into to making this thing are not cheap. Right. Um. Right. So you know, it's not cheap to press a thousand records of anything. You know. Yeah. And and um, so maybe maybe, but See, uh, I come from a retail background myself and uh, I know the, the more that we create of any item the cheaper the price point can be of course we're not talking about something that's basically like a custom release like this is isn't it wouldn't you almost call us a custom release I mean this is, absolutely yeah okay um, now I'm looking at the artwork and if anyone hasn't seen this laid out this is the this is why I said to my wife this I would like to have you get a road case, and what's the road case made out of? Uh, that I don't know. Wood, hopefully. Hard, but it's, no, it, I, I, I think it's supposed to be a true replicated road case, which yeah. would be made out of plywood. Yeah, you know? plywood with metal. And right. so it, it looks like this is the real deal, folks. And you open it up, and inside you have those 34 LPs with exclusive merchandise and vinyl included. It's got some weird things in it, like... Uh, some of the more bizarre stuff that comes with it. Uh, is there anything that uh, pops in your head when you think about what's well, all sure. comes with this? I, I think it's pretty cool that you know some of these early concert posters uh, they're issuing. Though it's weird how it's it's acro all across the board. It's you know it's like mm -hmm. you know whatever they could get their hands on to replicate. But uh, you know it's cool to have that first band promo poster for people that. I mean that's something you can't afford these days. That's a five hundred to a thousand dollar ebay item automatically you know yeah and uh so so those things are cool cool to have and and just the extra vinyl alone is is cool you know i think it's got a lot of cool extras that's why i was saying early on 
that, you know, I think a $1,500 price point is fair because, you know, buying all those records individually uh, would add up to a certain amount. And then, you know, you're paying for all these extra goodies and it's quite a lot of stuff. So. Well, I'm going to try and do it like the old uh, 70s Kiss commercials. I'll fail miserably, but cue the music, guys. Kiss Stereo, the ultimate vinyl road case. A vinyl box set holding 34 Kiss LPs, including the titles never previously issued on vinyl. The limited edition mother load of Kiss Music boasts 19 studio albums, all five Alive releases, the four original Kiss solo albums, and six exclusive vinyl discs that will not be sold individually. Among the extras are 11 posters, including the band's first promo poster, a Kiss vinyl cleaning cloth, a Kiss turntable mat, Kiss dominoes, and four band lithographs. The box can be pre-ordered here. Visit KISS online for details on all things KISS on Casablanca Records and Tapes. Anyway, I, that's not there. I just had to throw that in. <laughs> My wife just that was said, fantastic, man. Fantastic. Really? <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> so this is what we do when we're bored around here. But um, <laughs> I tried to replicate the old uh, 1970 yeah. commercials there. So yeah, You did a good job. I liked it. Didn't stutter once, thank God. So... <laughs> For some lucky Kiss fans out there that have a little bit of money, this looks like it's going to be a Christmas for you, or Kissmas for you. A Kissmas, yeah. You know, I think as much. You know, I collect a lot of Kiss stuff. I have a huge Kiss room, and um, you know, I, I think there's a you know a good handful of, of Kiss collectibles that are created that um, that are you know worth every penny. And I think this is one of them. I think this is a, a top notch. It, you know, it's going to appeal to all regular. You know, all normal kiss collectors it's going to appeal to audiophile guys who want top-notch you know uh, audio replication it's uh it's it's just a neat set i you know i don't have anything bad to say about it i don't think this is some kind of you know money grubbing attempt to snatch cash you know that's all the tchotchkes that that they release this is actually quality collectible stuff here well i'm wondering if i can get them to knock like 500 dollars off if i if i ask them to keep the kiss dominoes do you think that they could work a deal out with me good luck if you can work that deal out let me know because i'll Cause I'll you get could in live without it. the dominoes too i could live without the dominoes well i just know that i look at that picture where you see everything all laid out right and i would just love to go back to being like 16 or and to just have a really good record player and to just lay there in the middle and look at all that stuff while I'm playing <laughs> them. And that's the view I would I'd like to lay everything out just like it is in that picture that they have. Yeah, so I agree, man. I agree. It's very cool. Very cool. Uh, I think it's, you know, we should note that uh, for anyone listening to this, that the whole discussion we got into about Sonic Boom was that Sonic Boom is not included in this set. Correct. Correct. Unfortunately. And of course, some people lost their mud over the fact that it's strange that people were upset that Sonic Boom wasn't included, and then you like hear what they have to say about Sonic Boom that it stunk too. So why do you care? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I don't, I don't get uh, Kiss fans are odd ducks, and it just makes the world go around, I guess. I guess so. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to podcast. All right, here we go. Take two. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to PodKiss, the best. KISS is also going on tour, and this is the, 
last thing we're going to talk about, uh, the tour with Def Leppard. And we're going to play some of that press conference for you guys after Jason and I are done discussing. What do you think about them teaming up with Def Leppard this year? I'm on the fence either way. Um, I'm a huge Def Leppard fan. I've seen them many times. One of my all-time favorite bands. So it's always great to you know, be able to see a package deal and, and, and get the two for one. And you know, I'll be taking my wife and I'm taking my little girl mm-hmm. to this show uh, in Nashville. And we've got great seats, 8th Row Center. And uh, you know, she, she's eight and she loves Kiss. And it's going to be a... You know, um, a revisit of what my dad did for me when I was eight. You know, and uh, so that's going to be great. That she's going to get to see two bands for the for the price of one. And you know, I, Def Leppard is always fantastic live. And um, but then I'm also of the mindset that I'd like to see Kiss by themselves because they would hopefully play longer and play a little more diverse set. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, you know, those days are are probably done. They they can't play long it's not like they're gonna you know if they went out on their own they could go out and play a hot in the shade set of 26 songs or something but um so this is fine for me i i think it's great and and um you know def leppard is one of those bands i think that deserve to be in the rock and roll hall of fame as well you know absolutely if, if they're so, gonna have a rock and roll hall of fame they deserve to be in there i agree i was thinking there's one song photograph i can still remember when that song came out me and my buddies driving around like wayne's world just like rocking out and then i pick up my kids from school photograph comes on and we're all doing that and it's like some cool dudes just a few years later <laughs> still rocking out to photograph it's just yeah dude i, I do it every day we we've, we've exactly. got vault we've got def leppard vault in the car and we listen to it Every time, you know, any, almost any time we're on the road, me and my wife and, and my stepdaughter, you know, and she, yeah. our little girl loves that stuff. She's not listening. I mean, she likes her uh, Maroon 5 and Miley Cyrus too, but she loves Kiss and she and she knows the words to photographs. So, well, there you, know. you go. Yeah! The great front man, Paul Stanley, rocking Tommy Fire. Silver No Tomcat, Eric Singer, and the Demon Gene. Now joining us on stage, Def Leppard. Yeah! Rick Allen, Phil Collin, Joe Elliott, Rick Savage, Vivian Campbell. The combination of these two rock and roll powerhouses. Kiss, Def Leppard together, once in a lifetime tour. The first one to grab a mic, of course, Mr. Paul Stanley of Kiss. I just want to say, this is uh, our 40th anniversary tour. Uh, we couldn't feel more proud about going out there and doing the biggest show we've done, the Monster Tour that we did in Europe, was arguably the best stage we've ever had. And uh, we couldn't have a better band with us than Def Leppard over here. And not only that, but Phil decided to wear a shirt today. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a very special day. First question. And a jacket. It's the closest thing we've got to makeup, so, you know, <laughs> he had to wear something. What brought you guys together for this the first time around here? Because you have never appeared on stage before together. We haven't, but, you know, we've run into each other at festivals, and, uh, you know, it just seemed a natural fit. At some point, it really becomes important to go out there and give everybody bang for buck, give people something more than perhaps other bands are. We've had a history of going out there and trying to do the greatest shows possible. 
Summer is a great time to go out, enjoy yourself. You can go out with your family, just go on a date. But in any case, you want a full night. And you're not going to hear more better songs than with the two of us. I want to just hang around and listen to these guys. Right back at you, buddy. One and one makes three in these situations, really. Um, my maths aren't great, but you see what I mean in rock and roll. That's two great bands going out together. There won't be, there will be no dead time. There'll be no dead airspace, you know. It'll be hits, hits, hits. And it's, my, about two years ago, myself and Gene did a little tour of South America <clears throat> under the guise of the rock and roll all-stars all with a bunch of guys from like Guns N' Roses and Billy Idol and whatever. And other than trying to outdo each other with obscure British bands like the Idol Race and the Pink Fairies, who knew which band better, um, we discussed doing this as well, that one day Def Leppard and Kiss would actually tread the boards together, as it were, and it's finally happened, which is fantastic. Thank you, Gene, for that. Oh, anybody that thinks this is just about ego, yeah, we love each other and all this kind of stuff. This is for the fans, of the fans, for the fans, by the fans. We are fans of Def Leppard. And we hope the fans are going to get the most out of this. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. Hallelujah. So it's buy the fans, buy the tickets. <laughs> you guys are looking phenomenal. Uh, can you talk about the state of the band today, 2014? We have never had more fun being on tour. We obviously celebrate everything that's gone on before. We couldn't be here if we didn't start in 1973, 40 years ago, there's been a lot of water under the bridge. There's been a lot of great times, some bad times, um, but it got us here. And without any hesitation, I got to say, we've never had more fun. We, we have a ball out there. We go out there to live up to any expectations, and every night we go out there and blow them away. So I, I got to say, we're, we're, we're happy campers. Eric hates me. I didn't hear what you said. <laughs> You're mumbling again. Eric hates me. Yes, I hate you very much. <laughs> what about a question for Eric and for Tommy? You guys uh, driving the band when you really had posters of them when you were kids. What's it like to be that fan who's in there? <laughs> right? Maybe? Actually, Sorry, Paul. Actually, I'm what not you, that much younger. These guys, how old do you think these guys are? Uh, let's. <laughs> Sorry about that, buddy. Yeah, when I was in kindergarten, I loved kids. <laughs> No, you know, we've been, uh, speaking for Eric and I, we've loved KISS all of our lives. KISS has been around for 40 years now, which we know, and, uh, you know, but actually between... How old are you? Uh, you know, I'm in my early 50s, so uh, I'm almost, I'm getting up there. But anyway, uh, you know, we've, uh, I've been in the band about 12 years now, Eric's been in longer, and so we're a big part of this, and, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, in our heart, and we, uh, you know... We bleed kiss blood, and uh, Gene spits it. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, we're very much our heart and souls into this, and we love being in kiss. And like Paul said, uh, when we do anything, when we're touring, when we're recording, we really love being together and doing it. And it's it's no BS. Uh, we uh, this is a good. There's a good chemistry in this band, a great spirit, and uh, we're looking forward to taking that out on the road this summer together Gene. with uh, with Def Leppard and having a gangbuster tour. Thank you. Him. One of the things, one of the things you two guys, you two bands, you two artists share in common 
All of you started in clubs from the very beginning. These bands were not formed by a game show on TV. You actually were out there working to begin with from the very, very beginning, working very hard. Does that carry over today? Do you feel that when you walk out on stage? Do you still remember that, either to escape the clubs or for the energy? Actually, I, I won a competition in a club to play with Def Leppard. So, but, you know, it was, it was cool. We actually did, we jammed in clubs actually before I was he in the band. came second. I know, really, but you know, I beat the other guy up, so, you know, we were good. I came third. <laughs> no, it was, it was great, and I think you, you, know, you get your chops together, you do all that stuff in clubs, and that's why we're still around now. We actually like each other as well, so it's, uh, that really makes a huge difference. Huge difference. Yeah. You know, there's no, there is absolutely no um, way, there's no substitute for working your way up. Bands today that are starting out they don't have a clue. Most of these bands go from obscurity to selling, you know, a million albums, two million albums. They couldn't entertain a phone booth, and that's why they don't sell tickets. You learn the craft by doing it. You start in the clubs, you work your way up to being third on a bill in an auditorium, then you get to headlining there, then you work your way into arenas. By the time you're in arenas, you damn well know how to do it. People come to see us because they know they're going to get a great night. Matter of fact, I remember Phil was in a band that uh, did shows with us. Absolutely. In the UK, he was in a band called Girl. And... Uh, like 1980 or 81 or something like yeah, that? Yeah. yeah, and I kept saying, leave us alone. <laughs> Stop bothering us. No, but, you know, it just goes to show you, there's no substitute. Both those bands know how to go out there and deliver the goods. And... Uh, we're proud to be going out together because of that. Absolutely. It's worth stressing for the very first time ever. Def Leppard, Kiss together. Bang for the buck. When I think of Kiss and I think of Def Leppard, when I go to your shows, it's like I remember, the songs are like I remember from when I was, you know, listening to them in my room. So can you talk about that philosophy, Gene, of how you, both you bands, like to just make it sound like the record? Joe, I'm going to turn it over to you. Well, well, yeah, what, making the listen. song sound like the album when we go on stage, is that what you're saying? No uh, different interpretations, no bluesy riffs, it's just the songs that made you great. You play well, we, just, neither band are really blues-based or jam bands, I don't think. If, I remember, uh, again, no disrespect intended, but when I was listening to Kiss as a kid before I was even in Def Leppard... Here we go again. That is... As I said, it's a compliment. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> It was pretty obvious that you're looking at a band, you know, you look at the back, first of all, you look at the image and think, this is great because, you know, this is different. And then you look at the back and there's 10 songs, five on each side, which means that, you know, you're getting probably four or five minute songs, not 45 minute songs. Um, it wasn't like a, one of these, you know, in the 70s, it was very easy to be very indulgent. And, you know, side one of an album could be just one song. And these guys were delivering 10 songs. And they were short and they were to the point and they were fun and they were, they were well-structured pop songs, you know, and rock songs um, because they had hit singles. So they weren't just pure rock. It was a combination of both. And, and that's exactly where we were coming from as well. You know, we grew up through a, a, the British glam rock scene of bands like Mott the Hoople and Queen, Sweet, Slade, Bowie, T-Rex. These were all guitar-driven, big drums, three-minute songs with big hooks and choruses. And it's like, what's not to love? So, you know, for us to, especially on this tour, to think we're going to break out into some kind of blues jam, it's not, it's just not going to happen. 
A band respects its fans by respecting the songs. When you go out there, when somebody pays hard-earned money and you want to go out and hear a song and suddenly the band is bored with it and turned it into a reggae tune, it's an insult to you. You came to hear songs sound a certain way. And we're damn well going to make sure that you know that song as soon as it starts. If it's boring for us, then either we're ungrateful to you or those songs suck to begin with. Yeah, he's right. And, you know, the, you, can, you can disrespect your own back catalogue. It, there's, there's critics somewhere out there that if either Kiss or Def Leppard took a tune and turned it inside out, they would rave about it, but the 9, 10, 15, 20,000 people watching will be confused. And we're not here to, to impress critics. You know, when I go and see the Stones or Kiss or McCartney, I want to hear the songs the way I've known them all my life. Uh, well, that's why I'm going. Um, I don't want to hear a reggae version of Jumping Jack Flash. <laughs> it doesn't interest me whatsoever. And when I hear Detroit Rock City, I don't want to hear it scar. I want to hear it as it is. You know? Likewise, when, whenever we hear you guys, we go, wow, that sounds like the record. It's, you may not remember, there were things called records once upon a time. <laughs> but, wow, that sounds like the CD. It sounds like, it sounds like it's supposed to. That's the kind of respect that we certainly want to be aligning ourselves with. That's why we're here together. Gene, can you talk about Kiss and Def Leppard joining together and your unwavering support of these great Americans right here, these men, these fighting men and women. I know it's very close to all your hearts. Our proud military makes freedom possible. Politicians fart through their mouth. Only the military makes freedom possible. If you don't know that, you're an idiot. This is not only a proud military, it's a volunteer military. People better than any one of us on stage volunteer their life, limb, uh, for a philosophy, an ideal, and an idea. And they go over and not everybody comes back. The least we could do is, number one, pay homage to them, and number two, make sure that a buck out of every single ticket that's going to come in through the door is going to go to various forms of wounded warriors. It's very easy for some of us to forget that there are sacrifices made so that we can enjoy freedom that we don't even think about. These people go out there and risk their lives voluntarily. They are the heroes of the 20th and the 21st century. We say God bless them. We hope for everyone's safe return. In the meantime, any time that we can spotlight these people who are here today and ones who aren't and say these people need to be treated not like you and me, but like the heroes they are. If there's anything we can do when you return to help integrate you back into society, whether you need some help, rehabilitation, help with your families, there are some great organizations. There are Wounded Warrior Care Project. There's uh, other Wounded Warrior uh, projects that we're involved with too. We're gonna make sure that the money goes to the people who make it possible for us to be wearing our uniforms. And to our British friends, just as an FYI, because we believe in the same ideal. When we were in England, we did a fundraiser for the Brits, the proud Brits who went over and served for the same reasons. Help for, yeah. Help for heroes, you know. You know, we, we don't want to get maudlin or, or get serious, but we were born in, in two of the greatest countries, and the freedom that we get to enjoy every day 
comes at a price, and some people give the ultimate sacrifice to make that happen. So God bless all of you. Hallelujah. Leo's going to, we got a couple uh, questions from the crowd here. The first one I got from the press, actually the first two had to do with the earthquake today. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Elliott flew in last night and he thought there was an earthquake this morning. Little did he realize it actually was a KISS production crew preparing for the show. I think it was Gene, he dropped his wallet. <laughs> so we're wondering... Kiss has been known for the biggest stage show there is. Are you dropping any hints on what's going to happen on this tour? We went out through Europe with what we call the monster stage. Um, we have a spider that's part of the lighting system, comes down onto the stage. It interacts with the stage. Um, when we were putting it together, when I designed it, um, <laughs> when we were putting it together, the idea was, why do the lights have to have a separate life of their own and we have the stage? So... Um, it's very much one, and to see this massive rig moving and interacting and us being able to go up in it or to go out, you know, there's nothing subtle about it, but you don't need subtlety, you know? We're here to deliver good news and excitement. When you want bad news, you just have to go to your computer or go to the television. You can get away from it for one night. You can enjoy yourself. All the misery will be there tomorrow, but we want to make sure that we entertain you for one night. Alongside Def Leppard. That, the question then is, for you guys who have a very bright show and it keeps getting bigger as time goes along, uh, do you feel a challenge? Is there any pressure on you? Not really. I, just, I wouldn't call it a challenge. Or I, I don't, there's always an element of certain people think it's going to be competitive. You know, and I, I just don't see it as competitive. It's two great bands that are going to be playing for the same amount of time. Um, it, it's, a, it's joint forces. I mean, that's what it is. I don't see it as competitive at all. Yeah! Total I, respect. I was, I was going to say, here have to, you ever seen... From this side of the state to that side of the state, total respect. Yeah, I think Paul touched on it earlier as well. The most important element of the, of, of the concert is the, is the audience. Yep. They're, the, they're the ones, and, and, and it's all about them. And, and we can deliver great songs... And so can Kiss. And that's, that's the bottom line. Everybody will go home happy. They've got their 40th anniversary. We're 35. We're a little young. Maybe 35 years into ours. Um, we're just blessed that we can still do this. I mean, you meant, Paul mentioned early on about these, you know, we, we went through the clubs and then, the, you know, arena, to the arenas and stuff like that. And these new kids coming through, I don't really think you'll find many bands that are starting off in the last two or three years sat on this stage in 40 years' time discussing their 40th anniversary tour because the infrastructure is so different. We're very blessed that we have an opportunity to take the songs that we've got and they've got and put them in front of one massive, hopefully, <laughs> crowd and they can celebrate the, the history of both bands at the same time. It, it's a fantastic opportunity. They actually might be on the stage, but they'll be asking who's got the bucket and the broom. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but isn't, isn't yeah. it normally, would you like fries with that, sir? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think this all comes down to pride. I don't, you know, rivalry, who's going to be better. I think this is about going out and being your best. Yep. Because when you're your best, they get the best. It's all about giving the audience what they deserve. And we'll sleep very contently tonight knowing that we're doing this together. Def Leppard fan Craig right here. Craig? Hey, guys. First of all, I want to say thanks for being here. It's really an honor. And um, I just have a statement specifically for Rick. Uh, my son, who's actually not here today because he's actually joining the military today. 
He's a musician. He plays the guitar. And we, we were lucky enough to see you guys at the Gibson a few years ago. And ever since then, he's really been inspired by you. Uh, the fact that you never gave up after your accident is really keeping him, you know, he, he thinks that that's really an amazing thing, that, that you're able to do that and still play at the level that you do. And you're really an inspiration to him, and, and he, he just wanted me to tell you that. That's very cool. Thank you. Um, you know, I always, I always tell people that are starting out, you know, celebrate your uniqueness. And that's one thing, you know, I, I strive to do. And just play from your heart, you know. Just uh, and and it's it's wonderful that you uh, you relay that message. Thank you, Eric. Before we went out, Eric was talking about Rick. So I was saying how fantastic he is. I was telling these guys, you gotta. I told we were getting ready, and I was telling some of the wardrobe people. I said, when you get a chance, you gotta go up and watch Rick Allen play drums. I said because it's really incredible, you know. And I mean this with total props, Rick. You had to learn, relearn how to play drums. And it's like, I remember the first time I saw you play after your accident, I was with, standing there at the forum with Terry Bozio, who's a pretty acclaimed, renowned drummer. And everybody was just blown away. We we're like, oh my God, this is incredible how he plays. It's just, it's a testament to your, like, spirit as a person and as a human being, what you are able to accomplish as a drummer. And I mean, it's, it is, it's, it's, Amazing. That's, that's, that's very cool, man. Thank you. Um, the human spirit is the, the, the most powerful thing I know. And I think uh, one thing we all have in common is uh, resiliency. You know, we keep coming back. And uh, I have no, uh, no intention of, of, of giving it up anytime soon. So thank you. All right, a question from... If I could just, could, if I could just add as well, it's, it's great because of this, this whole link in with the military, the fact that we've got our own wounded warrior here that's done, survived, and come through even better. That, the highest compliment that any of the four of us can pay Rick, other than the fact that he has to look at our asses all night, <laughs> is that we, we're looking out that way, and to us, to our ears, it doesn't sound any different. In fact, it sounds better. So it's not like there's anything missing. In fact, it's, it's, enhan it's enhanced the songs. And you just, you wouldn't know. You know, you, you know in the back of your mind he's got one arm. But when you're on stage, you just hear him play the drums and he just sounds like a drummer. It's the highest compliment we could play him. Rick Allen. Hi, my name is Kim. Uh, this is a question for you, Kiss. <laughs> I am an artist myself, but what made you choose the costumes and the makeup? Punishment. Think about it. In hindsight, we're going, what the, we could have been in wonderful bands with t-shirts, jeans, and sneakers. No, we decided to put together this and walk around with, well, for me, a, another 40 or 50 pounds. Paul's supposed to say, yeah, because he hasn't lost weight yet. And uh, we, we proudly spit fire. We proudly fly through the air. We proudly blow up stuff. We proudly do all that stuff and work our asses off. Pride is something both Def Leppard and Kiss share in. You have to have pride in what you do. If somebody actually said this to me more than, I've heard it more than once. You guys have money. You got, why do you keep doing this? There is no better time on planet Earth than to go up on holy stage, because it's electric church, and make everybody in the audience forget about the traffic jam and the bad things in life. 
It's magic time. You come into our shows, it's magic. You'll feel better. You'll feel alive. That's our job. We're going to make your life better. Speaking of making your life better, there's one word to describe L.A. Kiss football. Undefeated. So, our, we, we played our first game. So, uh, we played our first arena football game. Not LA us. Kiss. Not us. Not us. Our football team. Nobody knows shoes. We're also undefeated. But uh, yeah, our football team won its uh, first game. Uh, home season starts uh, April 5th. And uh, you should really come to these games because the, the players are absolutely insane. The entertainment is insane. The dancers are insane. It really takes this all to another level. It's KISS. And you know, when KISS puts their name on something, it's not going to be something that, uh, it's not going to be a snooze. It's, you're not going to have to sell your car, mortgage your house to get tickets. There's $99 season tickets available. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the tour. Paul is right. Go to LAKissFootball.com. <laughs> but, you know, going back to the, the question about, you know, the, the, the outfits or uniforms, you know, I remember going to concerts. I, I was lucky. I saw Humble Pie. I saw Jimi Hendrix. I saw Derek and the Dominoes. Um, the Who, the Kinks. Um, every band, I was a huge Anglophile. Loved British bands. Thought that most of the American bands needed to start by taking a bath and then spending a little bit of time less with drugs and more playing their instruments. So we came up from that. Those are our roots. We never put this on to substitute for anything. We wanted to wear this proudly and take what we had seen other bands do a step further. If it was purely about the makeup, there would be tons of bands running around. The few that have done it, most are answers uh, in Trivial Pursuit games at this point. So it's always been about the heart. You can paint a car anything you want, but without a great engine, it doesn't go anywhere. This is a great engine up here, and we are gonna win every time we hit the stage. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, Live Nation. Paul, just so you know, um, if your team keeps winning, we've got a song called Undefeated. You can borrow it if you want. <laughs> Free? Yeah. yeah, you can play it in the stadium. One of the things that a lot of people don't realize in seeing your shows, both of you uh, bands are the same way. Your audience now has grown to the point where it's from God knows hours old all the way up into people who've been around for quite a while. You have a complete broad demographic range in your audience, and I know that's not the way it started out. When did you first start noticing that? And you got to get a kick out of seeing families and people that could be families. For us, rock and roll has changed. What's happened over years, rock and roll has become more like the blues. As long as you're writing about things that your audience understands and can connect to, you can keep playing it. it it's not the music of teenagers. It's the music of life, about celebration, about freedom, about self-empowerment. You know, for us, the, the great thing has been our concerts have turned into kind of tribal gatherings. It's more about a tribe. Uh, usually if you go to a rock concert, you don't want to see your kid brother. You don't want to see your older sister. It's just yours. With us, it's about a tribal gathering. It's like the largest cult on earth. Everybody shows up. They're proud to have their family with them. Um, it's great when you see parents there holding their kids up, almost like a rite of passage. You know, for us, rock and roll is something that's timeless. I like to say to the audience, 
We were there for your parents and we'll be there for you. And we could be your parents. <laughs> or grandparents. Kiss is well known. Oh, I'm sorry, Leo. No, no, go for it. I guess you guys are well known for coming up through the ranks. You would have opening acts that deserved a break and probably weren't going to get one, weren't going to get one anyplace. Uh, Rush, uh, Cheap Judas, Trick, Van Judas Halen. Priest, Iron Maiden, Bon Jovi, ACDC, Bob Seger, ACDC, um, and the list goes on. The list goes Motley on. Crew. And you treated them well. You didn't cut them off, didn't give them a little four and a half inches of stage, you gave them the lighting and all that. How did you miss these guys early on? I guess the time just wasn't right. Yeah. You know, but going going to your point, if you have to tie the arm of the band that's playing with you behind their back for you to beat them, then you don't deserve to be the band that goes on last. We want every band that goes on to have every opportunity to be at their best because the audience wins and it makes us up our game. We're we're we'll we'll rise to the occasion. It's about the show. I mean, that's that's the that's the bottom line and and as 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 best we can make the overall show as a package for the for the audience then they go on the happiest and that's that's what it's all about that is king and this tour is going to be 40 plus dates we'll get into that in a moment leo what do you got who you got huge summer tour okay question uh, my name is gary newnham i'm from the state of california employment development department and represented by our vet program here the job or the um announcement of this press conference indicated that there would be one or two vets that would be hired to go on the tour with the band. Can you expand on that a little bit, please? We did this before. You know, um, it's, it's basically like hiring a hero. We, we try to find a couple of uh, vets who want to go out and be part of the team. Um, you know, in, in the background, we're always part of the Army or the Armed Forces, so this is a chance for somebody to travel and be part of the KISS Army. You should know this is not the first time we've done this. The last time we uh, came through America, or the time before, I believe, a dollar of every single ticket went to Wounded Warriors. We've done special concerts, especially in Washington, D.C., for Walter Reed Hospital. And this is, you know, for us, it's not about telling the press or anything like that. It's the least we could do just to be grateful that we have our military. On that tour that you... On that tour that Gene's talking about, we often brought up vets that were local, local vets who had served on our behalf, and we also did the Pledge of Allegiance. It was important to let people know that patriotism is cool. There's nothing uncool about standing up and pledging allegiance to the country. So. You know, again, we, we don't want to hammer this point home, but the truth is we're all here because of the military that makes it possible. Here, here, a question or a statement for Def Leppard. Hi, my name is Karen. I'm with the Army Reserve, the backbone of the United States military. So she says. That's right. <laughs> I want to thank you all. I grew up with you, and I also met my husband, 1987 in a bar when I was in ROTC saying I was studying for an exam and my husband was an army uh, enlisted man coming down for Seneca Army Depot with Pour Some Sugar playing. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we got married to that song and we've been married 21 years later. And I have 
put all of your music, it started on the, you know those cassettes that you carried around when you were jogging in the military, where we do it off time, so I have all your music on there, and I just want to say how inspirational it is to have someone from your childhood uh, come out and be for, here for us troops, and for all my friends who served overseas. Thank you so much. Thank you. You know, we can make the point here as, uh, again, there's over 40 cities in the tour. Thus far, it starts the 23rd of June. Uh, you, some of you know this, maybe not everybody, but KISS was on, I believe, this stage just a couple of weeks ago on Valentine's. Uh, so the band, and it is a band because everybody's involved in the songwriting. Everybody's been performing with each other for many, many years now. It is a, an honest-to-God group. And... Def Leppard has been hiding someplace in uh, Ireland, I believe, uh, writing music. Was that the, the, or was yeah, it just giving Vivian a chance to grow the hair back after the chemo? Uh, bit of both, really. I think it had already it, grown back by the, the time we got there. The hair worked well. There. Okay. But he, he, he liked to go back, back to Belfast on weekends and visit his folks. But um, yeah, I've got a studio at home, and um, we all camped out at my place for a month, for the month of February, to write some new songs, which you will hear none of this summer. Um, <laughs> You know what's really interesting? We actually went over to Joe's to, to write one or two songs and maybe put something out. Like an, We got 11 songs on the go already, just in a month. So we're definitely going to have an album out, and that'll be out next year. So um, we're really excited. We, we, haven't, we haven't done music together, new music, for a long time, and, and it, just, it was so thrilling and just so cool to be back in it. But, yeah, 11 songs on the go, they'll probably be at, We'll have 20 by the time we're done. So, yeah, all good. Excellent. You... I don't know if anybody's aware of this, but uh, the band Kiss is going to be inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame here in a short period of time. Yeah, about hey. time. Uh, yeah. And I'm wondering, because of this exalted level they're going to be at, are the requirements of the contract you must refer to them as uh, Your Majesty? Uh, cut it out. Uh, Come on. Lord. Yes. Well, I've been re I've been referring to Gene as Your Majesty for about three or four years Stop already. Stop it. So Stop. You know, on a different note. <laughs> We're all really thrilled that Vivian's here and that he's doing great. You know. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Never better, actually. Yeah. Good. That was I had to good. get a little haircut this morning. It's getting a little out of control, oh. you know. <laughs> well, you're looking very handsome. Oh, thank you very much. And healthy. Yeah. Good to have you. Cheers. Good to be here. All right good. over here. Here we go, guys. Are right over here. Uh, this is uh, for all of you guys, but Rick. Um, after I stepped on an IED and lost my arm and both my legs, I was a guitar player of 12 years, and I just simply didn't want to give up. And you're a big part of that inspiration is to keep driving and keep going. So looking at you and all your crazy foot pedals, I thought I'll do the same. And I made mechanical levers and had people design it, and I'm still working on it. And I'm using electronics now in my drum kit, and I just want to thank you for showing me that I can still do music. So thank you. That's very cool. Thank you. Well I could, I could probably learn a thing or two from you. It's cool, man. Thank you. All right, question right here in the middle. How you doing? Uh, Michael Broderick, uh, Marine veteran, and uh, I want to know if there's going to be a sequel to Phantom of the Park. Semper Fi. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out what it is about. <laughs> yeah. A Twitter question at Live Nation. Here we go. Uh, both bands, uh, some of the staples, some of the crowd pleasers, and your favorite songs to play in concert. Just a few. 
it's different every night, actually. I mean, or each tour, you know. I mean, I, it's a real buzz when we play Pour Some Sugar on me because everyone starts taking their clothes off, right, for some reason, <laughs> even if you mention it, which is kind of weird. Um, so everyone has a different favourite, I think, but that one's always a blast. We love playing photograph, but we can't figure out the chords. <laughs> me too. Well, we're still trying to work on that one. We've done it once. Paul, many, many years ago, when Phil was not even in Def Leppard, me and him got up on a stage in Sheffield in a little club and attempted to play uh, Do, you Do You Love Me. Yeah. I was the drummer. It wasn't very good. <laughs> you guys did it in... Didn't you do it in Girl? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we, we actually, the band I was in, Girl, we, we covered that. It's a great song. And uh, another thing, actually, I want to thank Paul and Gene. They accepted our American Music Award when we couldn't get it. We was in Holland recording, and these guys accepted on our behalf, which was very cool. We actually never thanked you for that, so thank you. And we never got it back either. So can we have it, please? As you can see, the dynamics are at play here. This is going to be the biggest tour of the year. Kiss, Def Leppard. Uh, is there any chance this would go beyond North America? You know, uh, here, how about this? Do you want it to? Of the people, for the people, by the people. You want it? You got it. Let's just see how the first 40 goes. See if you can take any more joy. And uh, you want it? We're Happy, healthy, and yeah, there's lots here. They'll pour the sugar, they'll lick it up. Kiss Def Leppard 2014. And that is our show. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podkiss.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. Big thanks to Julian and everyone at KissFAQ.com. They've got great information there and a terrific message board, too. Thanks also to Keith LaRue and everyone else at Kiss Online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land. And as always, a big thanks to Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late, great Eric Carr, and the late, great Mark St. John. You are Kiss. And we are your army. Podcast is created by the Kiss Army for the Kiss Army, and it is available for free as an internet download. If you like what you hear on our show, go buy it and support the people who made it. Podcast is not affiliated with Kiss or any of its members, past or present. On behalf of myself, Ken, and the whole rest of the Podcast crew, thank you for listening to Podcast, the Kiss fanzine for your ears. <laughs> <laughs>